Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You're, 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 you're listening to the podcast for all of the news, notes, and breakdowns for your Ohio State Buckeyes. This is Sons of the Shoe with Nick Wilson and Spencer German. We are back. We are back. The Sons of the Shoe is back. Hi, Spencer German. How you doing, buddy? Beating myself. Pretty good, Nick. How about you? right here a crazy week in college football the early signing period opens on wednesday december 20th that would be tomorrow as we record here on a tuesday it closes on friday we are at smack dab in the middle of bowl season there is a flurry of buckeye news none of it seemingly positive to this point so we got all that going on we got chip kelly fixing college football but As everybody knows, we are a new podcast. We would appreciate you following the show wherever you get your podcast. Apple, Spotify, the free Odyssey app, 92throughthefan.com. Of course, you can also watch us on the 92throughthefan YouTube channel. But why would you do that? I am fat. I am ugly. Do not do that to yourself. But I guess we can start at the beginning um, with Transfer Portal News. uh, Julian Fleming officially going to Penn State. Kyle McCord officially going to Syracuse. Those were the two big dominoes that Ohio State fans were waiting to see where guys that dropped into the portal for Ohio State went. Let's start with Julian Fleming. Is this this a big blow for Ohio State, him going to a uh, division rival, a conference rival? Uh, I mean, I, first of all, for him, I think it makes a lot of sense. He is from Pennsylvania, so I'm, and I know he was recruited by Penn State coming out of high school. So I think that move kind of makes sense for him. But yeah, I you know I wonder about like the does he know trade secrets thing? But I mean, listen, we real quick. Spent, 
Yeah. Uh, Penn State already knows how to lose to Michigan. So they don't. (laughs) (laughs) There's no, like, here, you really want to piss your fans off. This is how you do it. Well, it's, it's, it's more so like, does he have the secret recipe for James Franklin to finally get one over on Ohio State is more so what I'm, what I, what I think I'm referring to. Like, I I don't, and I don't know if that's the, the, the solution. Like, we spent an entire episode after the win over Penn State talking about how James Franklin's always just going to James Franklin. I don't think Julian Fleming necessarily solves that, even if he comes with, hey, this is what they like to do. Um, and he may he may not even know everything that they are trying to do based on who's starting a quarterback next year for Ohio State either. So it's it, that's kind of a big mystery for him as well. Um, but does it stink he kind of goes to a Big Ten rival? Yeah, but here's the thing, Nick. Like, I think we'd both agree, and this is not a knock on Julian Fleming. Like, he's, he seems like he's a good dude. He obviously has been like a leader on the, uh, with this this program for the last couple of years. You know, even when they had Chris Olave and Jackson Smith and Jigba and all those guys, they all raved about how great Julian Fleming was and how just a great teammate and leader that he was for the group. Um, but like, I don't know that he has lived up to the expectations of him coming out of high school as one of the. I mean, let's face it, he was one of the highest rated recruits to ever come to Ohio state. I'm pulling it up here real quick. He was the seventh highest recruit to ever come to uh, Ohio state. So like he had some key drops in certain, at certain moments, he just never really sort of materialized when you saw all these other receivers who were kind of around him. So I'm not sitting here like shaking in my boots, like, Oh no, Julian Fleming's going to Penn state. That that's, that means Ohio state's in trouble next year. I'd be more worried if like Jeremiah Smith was not committed to Ohio state than I am about, Julian Fleming going to Penn State. Is it bad that I kind of root for the kid? Because all the things you mentioned, like by the end, like when he'd drop a pass, and I, I can't remember if it was a Penn State game or the Rutgers, there was one of those games towards the end of the season where it was kind of a moment for him and he had a kind of a drop. And I just, like at the end, like one of the downsides of college football fandom is that we are hyper focused on guys we have uh, sky high expectations for. And Julian Fleming was one of those dudes. And I just felt bad for him by the end of it because he just seemed like a good kid that just got lost in the shuffle, which is what happens. Like, it's funny. Like, they had a Mecca Abuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. Like, it's not Julian Fleming's yeah. fault per se that he got lost. To, and before that, it was Jackson Smith and Jigba, and it was all these other dudes. So, like, I kind of – I'm hopeful that he gets a new start and a fresh start and – Listen, I don't think he's going to be the difference maker in next year's Penn State Ohio State game. And the, you know, obviously we've got that going on. We've got Kyle McCord, who apparently at the last second uh, said <laughs> hell no to Matt Rule and Nebraska, which seemed for like I, I mentioned to you the stylistic fit that I had concerns about with how Matt Rule likes to play offense and how what Kyle McCord's good at. Well, then it turns out Dylan Rayola who is the uh, the nephew of Donovan Rayola, longtime Lions starting center, that he flipped from Georgia back to Nebraska. So now they've got their quarterback, and then Kyle McCord lands in Syracuse. And i got to be honest with you, don't love it for, for Kyle McCord. New head coach, defensive head coach, you know, uh, sorry, first-time head coach at any level, and he's from the defensive side of the ball, I know that Fran Brown has gotten a lot of love for the, the staff that he's kind of put in there, but you don't have any track record on the offensive side of the ball that you can kind of point to. And so to me, it's a Hail Mary. And it feels like 
well, this is the best I could get, which surprises the hell out of me that that's the best Kyle McCord could get, Spencer. First of all, I was just going to say, I don't think there's an issue with rooting for Julian Fleming. I I, I agree with you. I think he just kind of got lost in the shuffle here. There was so much wide receiver talent coming in. Um, it's not fully his fault. There were some moments. He actually had a couple good catches in that Michigan game, too, that I thought were like big time for him. Um, so, yeah, it, it's unfortunate that it didn't really materialize to the level we thought it would for him. But I, 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 I certainly am right there with you in watching him next year against Penn State and um, seeing any Penn State games, like I'll be certainly supporting him. But, yeah, with the, with the Kyle McCord thing, I, it, it is interesting that Syracuse ends up being sort of the best option for him. Uh, you know, we talked about like, oh, maybe Pitt would be an option and there'd be some other schools. Syracuse seems like it's a little lower on the totem pole for schools that he would end up at. Um, and yeah, you bring up the the new head coach there being a defensive minded guy. I don't like, I don't know if they're bringing in it, him in hoping, okay, he'll sort of stabilize the offense for us while I focus on rebuilding the defense here. But um, yeah, I, like, do you, th- I don't know if like, I, th- I think he can still be okay. And I think he can still, if, if his goal is I'm going to go here and get some NIL on money, maybe increase my, draft stock or whatever i'm not going to sit here and say syracuse increases your profile because i think ohio state being the starting quarterback at ohio state is obviously a bigger deal than being the starting quarterback at syracuse but do you think this has the potential to like backfire on kyle mccord or because like i think there's certain programs he could have gone to where it really would have worked out like he would have had the right system had the right coach could have done some nice things almost ended up like maybe a kenny pickett type player where you're like oh this guy coming out of college like He's got some potential. Let's see what we can do with him. And then even if he doesn't pan out the NFL, maybe he goes in a round that you wouldn't have necessarily expected and he makes something out of it. But like, do you think that him going to Syracuse now is going to maybe hurt the potential of him to increase his profile in that way? Yeah. I mean, I, listen, I hope it works out for the kid. Cause again, I, I got nothing against him. All right. He wasn't what they needed this year, but I, I guess I don't like how the process played out. And when you're choosing between Nebraska and Syracuse, and I'll do respect to both those schools, Matt Rule's a really good man. He really is, like a really good college football coach. And he seems to embrace the NIL era, which is awesome. Like that, that's adaptation. And I think Fran Brown has gotten a lot of great marks for, for being the hire there at Syracuse. I guess my thing is, tell me why it's better than Ohio State. And it's funny, like when we first, when we first saw the news, our reaction was, well, maybe Ryan Day went to him, whispered in his ear and said, "Eh, you're not going to be here next year, so why don't you go out in the portal and make some money? As this thing has evolved, it sure seems like Ohio State was surprised. And actually, Bill Curlick, who was on our last episode, mentioned that Ohio State was surprised that that Cal McCord went into the portal. And so, you know, there are also whispers about a family member being in his ear and maybe saying, hey, my son needs to be – sorry, my my family member needs to be the starting quarterback next year, guaranteed. Right, right. So So, so real quick, I just want to add, like, some of the things that I've just heard, and again, I'm not trying to pretend – I'm not trying to pose as a Ohio State reporter. I'm not, like, in the building every day to know. But just things that I've heard from people I've talked to, um, it sounds like, yeah, it was more so a – I mean, we kind of talked about it, Nick. It sounds like it was kind of a, I'm going to break up with you before you break up with me type yeah. thing. Like he, he, he kind of got wind that Ohio state might be looking elsewhere. He said, if you can guarantee me the starting job and you can maybe get me some more NIL money, I'd be willing to stay. And Ohio state was kind of like, uh, we're not, you know, we're going to explore our options. And then that's where he, he leaves. So I, I can understand why maybe it caught him off guard, 
but I also think like they had to expect it on some level that it could happen because Kyle McCord spent, I mean, listen, the stats are the stats. That's going to help boost his case for why he deserves more NIL money. So I'm sure on some level, like he looked and said, I can go somewhere else and get paid based off of what I did at Ohio state. And if that's what's a priority to him, then then fine. I, I well, think like actually no, that not fine because if because the price you're going to get paid a pittance. Like the difference between what he could get paid at Ohio State and the what he probably got paid at Syracuse. So we're, it's all speculation at this point. It's none yeah, of it's firm yeah. and on the on top of the radar. So like, but one, you can't tell me that Syracuse is going to pay you more than Ohio State would. And two, the whole point of him going in the portal is I want to go to a place where I know I'm going to start so I can become an NFL quarterback. What was the last time Donovan McNabb, 23 years ago, was the last <laughs> legitimate starting quarterback? Hey, that they, hey. Well, Tommy DeVito. Don't, I was going to say, don't you sleeping on Tommy DeVito over here. You talking to me? You talking to me? Sorry, <laughs> hey, I went full well, arrow. He might have somebody listening to the podcast and uh, but like, he might and, come and, whack us if we, don't, if we don't show some respect. So I do saying. not want to get whacked. No, no, <laughs> sir. I'm not in high school. Um, I got to tell you, though, man, like it bugs me. It bugs me because if your idea is, well, I can get $200,000 more NIL here. Okay, well, where's a better program that's going to put you in the NFL? And, you know, I got to be honest with you. Coaches annoy me when they say, man, kids don't want to compete anymore. It sure seems like either Kyle McCord didn't want to compete or somebody in his family or people around him didn't think he should compete. And I think next year, like if Kyle McCord comes back, I, I don't think they're starting Air Nolan in his freshman year. So even if Air's in the, the competition, I don't think he's a serious, uh, you know, competitor. And so you already beat Devin Brown out once. Like Lincoln Keenholz shouldn't scare you that much. Like, I, I think this is a real miscalculation for Kyle. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope he goes to Syracuse and, you know, get, secures the bag. And then next year he's a, a, you know, first, second round pick in the NFL. I don't think it's going to happen, though. Not not the way it could happen at Ohio State, where you're playing around other top 10 picks at almost every spot of the ball. And you're going to have, you know, uh, potentially Smith next year, as long as he signs this week. You're going to have Carnell Tate. You're going to have all these guys that can help you get where you want to go. So if he had gone, if he had landed in Oregon, where Dante Moore landed, if he had uh, landed at USC, where Malachi Nelson just hit the transfer portal, or if he'd gone to Oklahoma, these are all places that even though they don't have a track record like Ohio State does with putting Justin Fields, Dwayne Haskins, um, C.J. Stroud, all first-round picks into the NFL under Ryan Day, it, but at least they're premier programs that have premier talent around you that make you better. Instead, you're not going to Syracuse where it's year one of a of a rebuild and you got to be the best player on that team. Good luck, man. I just I feel bad for the kid. I think this was a either an uh, either a, an ego of his you know move. Or, would sorry, you feel this of- way if you if you went to Nebraska? Like if he ended up in Nebraska, would you feel better about it? Not really. Marcus Satterfield has not, I mean, Marcus Satterfield is the OC there. Yeah. uh, You know, talk to a South Carolina fan, how they felt about Marcus Satterfield. Um, And again, I thought stylistically the fit just didn't make sense. So it's, I just feel bad for the kid. I feel like he got caught up in the game and it's on him. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing. Like in the end it's on, if you really want to be an NFL quarterback, how is Syracuse better for that than Ohio State? Yeah, and maybe – and, again, I don't know what his priorities are. Um, I bring up the money thing. We don't know the full details of any NIL deals. There was the one that was reported with Nebraska 
when he was when he was rumored to be reporting there. That was like six hundred thousand or whatever the hell it was um, to be the to to be the spokesperson for Honda McCord. Um, but yeah, like I don't know. I, like maybe he is driven by the money and he's like, maybe I'm not going to be as good of an NFL prospect. So I got to get my money now. Like, I don't know what's driving him, but I, I will say this because you bring up guys not wanting to compete. I think it's even less about him not necessarily wanting to compete because he, he stepped into a competition this year and he won it. It might just be flat out, Nick. Like he just wants to be wanted that. I mean, cause I, you, you hear about like the, the modern day athlete and I don't mean this as a knock to the modern day athlete. I, I, I think it's more about coaches, need to evolve the way that they think. Like we talk about Dabo Swinney being very um, archaic in the way he approaches things. Like, oh, I don't want the transfer portal. I'm not going to, you know, baby a guy. I don't want these guys getting paid, all this different stuff. I think it's more about like the the modern day athlete is the modern day athlete. You have to adjust to them. They're not going to adjust or bend to you. And so I just wonder like in all that talk about those things and, and how athletes respond to certain things today, I just almost wonder if, the mindset for some of these guys, maybe this is Kyle McCord is, Hey, I want to be where I'm wanted. And if I'm not wanted at Ohio state, after I put up the numbers that I put up and I did what I did and I came within a couple plays from potentially knocking off Michigan, then I don't want to be here. And the money would obviously help. And so I'm going to go somewhere where I feel like I'm wanted. I, I, I do wonder how much that maybe plays into it as well. So with that, the other quarterback carousel, or the rest of the quarterback carousel, continues to spin, uh, to spin rather. Dante Moore lands at Oregon, as I mentioned. Um, Dylan Gabriel also ending up um, out west as well, transferring out of uh, out of Oklahoma. Uh, Malachi Nelson of USC yeah, is, is back in the portal. So it's interesting that the you know the the Buckeyes still do not have at least seemingly a path to a quarterback here as there's a lot of guys who've been in the portal for a hot minute that they have either showed little interest or just have not pulled the trigger on, including Cam Ward. Um, I think they're in a really interesting situation, and I think fans are going to start to get really uncomfortable as more of these guys go off the board, as as it starts to look like they're just going to commit to the plan that they have. Yeah, and I think the one thing working in their favor maybe is that this is kind of the – there's a closed period right now. Uh, that started on Monday. So from the 18th of December till the 11th of January, basically through the, the national championship game, the the visits for recruits and different things, you're not allowed to uh, do campus visits, uh, official visits or off-campus contact. There's only really phone calls kind of going on. So I, I actually feel like Ohio State – my view on it is this. They're going into this bowl game, the, the Cotton Bowl with Missouri, as a chance to basically audition both Devin Brown and, and, and Keen Holtz and see kind of what they what they have here. And then once that window kind of opens back up in the new year, they'll have a chance to maybe host some of these guys. Because I don't know that like Malachi um, – what the hell? Um, I don't know Nelson. that Malachi Nelson, yeah, sorry, is – going to make a decision here like instantly. Like I'm, I'm sure he's going to kind of see what's out there. And I would guess, like, I don't know that Ohio State's interested in him, but if that's somebody they might pursue, maybe that's something they do after he they, they kind of see how the bowl game goes, which is coming up here. It's only like 10 days away. So I don't know that they're necessarily – I don't, I don't know that – my point is I don't know that there needs to be panic yet, but I do think, yes, it's going to make Buckeye fans a little unnerving to know they don't have that guy just yet picked out. Now – I have a question in relation to Dante Moore. 
because you said he you mentioned he made his decision this week. I wonder, like, how much do you think the Buckeyes are looking at the options out there? And this could be in play, too, for a guy when you're looking at uh, Malachi Nelson because he's a younger guy. You're expecting he's probably going to start a couple years for you. How much do you think that is holding back the Buckeyes from pursuing some of these guys if they're thinking long-term, like, well, we want to make sure we're paving the way for our, our recruits coming in rather than get this guy now? And should they be thinking that way? Because on some level, like, they kind of got to just think about, like, we got to do what's best for us to win right now. I mean, Ryan Day, every year he loses to Michigan, his job, his seat gets a little bit hotter. So I understand he's he's clearly, I don't think, getting fired going into the next year. But do you think it's okay for them to think that way? Or should they maybe per- pursue some of these guys, whether or not it's going to impact what happens with, say, an Aaron Nolan? Um, I, listen, I think if there was a guy that they thought could step in and be what Justin Fields was for you, um, which is an immediate impact guy. And obviously Justin had to sit the year out because of the old uh, college football rules. But I feel like if they had their Justin Fields, I think they'd pull the trigger. And I think in lieu of that, I think they are doing the smart thing. Like the goal is to have a sustainable ecosystem of quarterbacks where it becomes next man up where you can go from JT Barrett and say, all right, now it's either Joe Burrow or Dwayne Haskins, right? Or Dwayne Haskins. Or, and then you can go, all right, it's either player X or Justin Fields. And then it's either CJ Stroud or this player. So I think that should be the goal. And it just so happens that in between CJ Stroud and Air Nolan, you have a two-year gap. So I think it would make sense, unless you have a guy that you think is worth losing Air Nolan, I think it makes sense to try and, you know, look at short-term options to try and maintain this ecosystem of next man up at the quarterback position. Cause I think that's only going to help you. Like if you, I think there's, I think it's more value to you developing a guy that is sat on your roster for a year or two or three years and him going into the NFL draft. than you were like the guy that was the conduit for that guy in his final year of college. Do you agree or disagree with that? I think that's probably a fair a fair way to look at it, um, and just kind of keeping the ecosystem going, and that's part of the reason why the the Buckeyes are in the dilemma they're in right now, right? Because their succession plan to C.J. Stroud was supposed to be um, Quinn Ewers, and Quinn Ewers transfers goes to Texas, and now that's why you have this kind of gap slash window that's throwing things off for you, where you had to start Kyle McCord this year, and you're kind of out there surveying what's available to you at the quarterback position. But I also just think too, like. It, I like I understand that thought process, and I understand you got to kind of think ahead of okay, where are we going to be in in a year, in two years, whatever. And, and and I'm not some recruiting master, but I also think about it from the perspective of this 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 organization top down with Ryan Day. They don't have time to sit necessarily and like wait and see. Like okay, well we'll get we'll find a way to get to Air Nolan, and then we'll run with Air Nolan. Like. No, like you got to win this year. So I agree with you. Like I'm not saying make any rash decisions and just bring in Cam Ward because you think he he's going to like, you know, quiet the masses out there with the torch and pitchforks. It has to be a fit. And it sounds like maybe they thought Riley Leonard was a fit and they pursued him a little bit. But like, yes, it has to be a fit for sure. But I, I just don't know that they have they have like the the uh, the time, I guess, is the, is the word to sit there and just be like, well, it's okay. We'll, you know, we'll let this, we'll, we'll let Dante Moore go elsewhere. We'll let my Malachi Nelson go elsewhere 
because we got Aaron Nolan next year and we'll just figure it out this year. And, and, and I don't know, maybe they feel really good about Devin Brown. Some of the stuff that I've heard is just that, yeah, you know, they, they seem like they're going to sort of roll with what they have in the room already. And if that's what they're going to do, then I guess we're going to see how that works out. Um, and you mentioned, you know, the, the locker room has really come to Devin Brown's defense and, and said, you know, we believe in him and he's got a little bit more mobility to him than, um, than McCord did. So, Listen, maybe that's the plan and maybe it'll work out. But I, I just don't know that, especially with the new AD coming in, that you just want to sit back and kind of be like, eh, well, we're okay because we got Aaron Nolan next year. Like you do need an option this year, whether that's a young guy that might push a couple a couple recruits away or whether or not um, – because that's something you bring up Justin Fields. Like even Justin Fields started two years. So that could have disrupted some of the recruiting process for Ohio State, but it didn't. Like he came, he, he played two years – and then that bridged the gap to C.J. Stroud. I, I'm not worried about Ohio State finding the next big quarterback recruit. Like, they're always going to be on the radar for guys, and they're always going to be bringing these guys in. So even if it were to cost you, I guess, Aaron Nolan, okay, well, you'll get the next guy that comes out. There's something to be said about not panicking in, in the wake of the Michigan loss. So while I would love that – Quarterback in the portal, and I certainly have been hot and heavy off every name. KJ Jefferson, Cam Ward, it's the Baskin and Phelps. Do we want them? Do we want them? But if Ryan Day is looking at this and says, I can't, there are some things I need to change, but I can't panic at the quarterback position. I need to trust what I've done for the last five years here. There's actually some really smart logic to that. Right. It's, yeah. it's, it's good to change. It really is. If he, if he thinks about why he hasn't beaten Michigan, I think, and, and finds ways to change or adapt off that, that's good, but he shouldn't just go get a quarterback because well, Kyle McCord lost and then Kyle McCord didn't feel loved. And now we got to go ahead and change the whole plan and maybe endanger this three-year plan. We had a quarterback. So yeah. that, that would be the devil's advocate to, to what I think I, you just said. I, I get it. And I'm not saying they need to panic either. I'm, but I'm just saying like the, 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 the thought process going back the other direction to, to respond to what you just said would be, well, okay, you got to trust the process of the last five years. Well, the last five years, you've lost to Michigan three straight. You didn't play them the one year you lost to them the last three years. So what is the what is the process that you're trusting actually gotten you? So maybe you do need to change things up. That that would be, I guess, like the what it's the, gotten you. What it's gotten you <laughs> is like 47 wins or something like that. In for, people act as if this is Michigan, you know, before Jim Harbaugh to, or when Rich Rod was there. Like guys, it, it sucked. I'm not I'm not here to te- put you know I'm not here to polish that turd. It has sucked losing to Michigan to three straight years. It sucks not being in the playoffs this year. But like. Ah, oh, look at where it's gotten you. Yes, oh, these forty-seven wins, damn it! And I understand well, the, and I understand there's some valid uh, arguments. And this about isn't even me. This isn't even me necessarily. But I'm saying, like, there's a lot of Ohio State fans out there who are sitting there saying we could bring in a lot of coaches who could do what Ryan Day has done, which is win all these games in the Big Ten, ass. win all these games in the Big Ten, and then lose to Michigan. Yeah, and that's that's fan hubris and and respect. And listen, <laughs> Buckeye fans. I love you. I do. You're crazy. And I love, like, I love being a Buckeye fan because it's common. I'm standing up for the common fan. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, by the way, you, you know, there's common man in Columbus. Now it's common fan here in Cleveland. Um, I just, at some point, like, I get it. Like, yes, almost anybody can beat Illinois. Almost anybody can beat Purdue. 
but to to throw this away well anyone could do this no no not anyone could okay <laughs> there's a reason why james franklin has been third tier in the big 10 there's a reason why it took jim harbaugh four or five years to break through that impenetrable seal that ohio state had for it and yes it's happened and yes there's reasons to look at this thing and say how do we make it better but this woe is me the sky is falling we're never going to win again like that is just fan overreaction and it's not something ryan day should consider himself with he's got to focus on how to tweak the program not over overhaul it completely not wholesale changes not throw literally everything out the window it is tweak the program because if you tweak too much you might go the opposite way which is going to get you fired like losing four games including to michigan next year is going to get you fired just as much as if you only lose to michigan next year oh i felt good I need it's been building up for a minute here. Now we are, you know, we have not gotten to the high school recruiting side of things as the early signing period opens up tomorrow and runs through Friday of this week. So we're gonna get to that when we come back. But first a word from our sponsors. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, guys, we are back. Nick and Spencer here. And as we have mentioned all show long, we've talked a lot about the portal, Spencer. But starting tomorrow, uh, high school recruits can sign. It's the early signing deadline. And it's funny because Ohio State fans have very, very strongly reacted to the second Ohio State uh, high school recruit flipping to Miami in this cycle, this one being Jordan Lyle, a running back out of St. Aquinas in uh, uh, in Florida. And it's funny, like, if this – there were there are two guys in this class that flipping would make me really concerned about the state of the program, and neither of those guys is Jordan Lyle. Like, you, you hate to lose out on that guy, but I feel like this is just the reality of early signing day. And, like, you know, I, I think Bill Curlick put it perfectly last week. Like, they're just some dudes who they'll they'll hold firm 
on a commit and at the last second switch, they wanted to switch earlier. They just wanted to kind of duck out of the BS. Yeah. I, I, he, he definitely said it very, um, very poetic not poetically, but he, he, he did it justice in terms of like, how that, yeah, that, that's a good that's a word for it. That's a good word for it. Um, yeah, he, he did a good job sort of summing up the, the thought process here and why this happens. And listen, I, Bill being somebody who's covered Ohio State recruiting for as long as he has, I, I know you and Dust were talking about it on Monday, 25 years. Like he was there when Dustin was, was still at Ohio State. So that tells you he's certainly been around this program. He knows kind of how it works. He knows how the process sort of flows. And so, yeah, I, I trust him in terms of giving some good insight into why guys flip when they do or, you know, what the decision-making process kind of looks like. And, yeah, I agree with you. you. You mentioned the two guys you'd be most worried about for me. They're Jeremiah Smith and Edric Houston because we've been talking about trying to get a an edge rusher in here that is a true difference maker, which the the, the Buckeyes are seen to be lacking in recent recruiting classes in recent years. Um, and obviously we know, like, Jeremiah Smith being the top receiver in the country, keep that sort of – Ohio State's kind of gone from being cornerback you or DBU to now wide receiver you, where all their wide receivers end up being these, these amazing NFL talents. So – to get another guy in here like that is obviously impressive. There's people saying that he's going to be – he's coming in better than what Marvin Harrison came in as as a as a freshman, as what people are saying. So, like, yeah, there's there's reason to be – there would be reason to be concerned, I think, if he flipped, which it does uh, based on his visit to FSU. We haven't heard anything leading up to Wednesday's signing day that indicates he is going to flip. And, yeah, if, as long as you're getting those two guys kind of sticking together – and of course, Aaron Nolan, who we've we've talked a lot about. I think those are the guys that I'm I'm most um, I, that you mostly want to get to Wednesday and, and make sure they're still on board. So, real quick here, I do think that I think it's an interesting note where Ohio State fans are in previous years when a four-star running back, wide receiver, defensive end, when they flipped. Um, I mean, even when Dylan Rayola flipped out of Ohio State, like the reaction has been, well, it's just a high school recruit. And I think it's funny because, like, I look at the transfer portal immediately as this guy can come in and help day one. But most of these dudes are about two years from now, three years from now, than they are day one. And sometimes that that changes. Sometimes you have a transitional year. But it's been interesting to see in this cycle. Like, the Buckeyes still have two other running backs committed. And one's more of yeah. like a gadget player and one's like a true running back. But like, next yeah, I mean, J- about- James, James Peoples is a better overall recruit than, than yes. Lyle is. And he's yes. still committed to Ohio state. Like you also I- have Dallas Hayden, who yeah. I think is going to be a stud next year. There's, there's still whispers, although I don't know if I believe it, that Travion could come back. And the reason why that matters is like, he's a good four-star recruit. And I, I just think, I think people are looking at Ohio state and anything that, can be perceived as negative is now taken as negative. It's like, guys, if Jeremiah Smith ends up in Florida State, you have permission to panic. If Aaron Nolan, <laughs> who seems airtight on on his commitment, uh-huh. Uh-huh. no pun um, intended, uh, pun intended, actually, yeah, I'm, pun intended. Yeah. I'm that guy, okay, as the kids say. <laughs> but no, I mean, if if Aaron Nolan flips to uh, Oklahoma or he flips to USC. Let's panic. Um, you mentioned the edge rusher. Like, okay, if that guy if that guy flips, that's going to be a real concern. Outside of that, it's it's not that these guys don't matter because the reality is it is 
I mean, it is it is oil speculating in 1911. You're just you're you're hoping to strike gold seven or eight times out of any given class, and everybody else can just be roster fodder. But like, it's a guess. Mm -hmm. So okay, well you lost uh, your third running back. Go find a third one. Because the funny thing is, running back's another position where you're just never going to have problems at Ohio State with the lineage of Ezekiel and Eddie George and the litany of dudes you put in the NFL. It's quarterback, running back, wide receivers. I don't worry about that unless it is the literal number one recruit in all of college football like Jeremiah Smith. And I think, you know, it's funny, man. Like, I I hate well, and I'll say I'll say this too real quick as you bring up Ezekiel Elliott. Like Ezekiel Elliott coming out of call out of high school was also like a four star recruit. He he wasn't even a five star guy. So yeah, like it, it stinks. But I think Ohio State, to your point, has a a habit of turning guys that maybe aren't the top guy into something producing that type of player. I think I think it's more important about like O line recruiting and the receiver recruiting because this offense is trying to do some other things than just run the football. But yeah, I I, I don't know that I'm as worried about that as maybe some other fans might be. You got to hold on. You got to unmute yourself. I am now <laughs> unmuted. Um, I do think Jeremiah Smith is, is going to be a huge part of what they do next year. And I think that is, you know, when we start to get here, like it's puckering time. You mentioned, well, we don't know. There's just a lot of speculation. And any time a guy this late into the process is still taking um, any measure of visits, and he has consistently taken visits to Florida State, right? So any time a guy does that, that's one of the biggest signs that he just might not be ready to say it out loud because he doesn't want to get uh, flack from the uh, mass hysteria. And it's not Buckeye fans specifically. It's it's every super fan program. It's Clemson. It's Florida State. It's Ohio State. It's USC. I mean, if you're a blue blood, you're going to go absolutely crazy if a guy decommits to you at the last moment. It's just the reality. That's how people act. So, yeah, I, I do understand. Um, I do understand that that might be part of the reasoning there. So there's, there are circumstantial oh. signs, but he still says he's committed. That's you yeah. got to take these kids at their word till otherwise. I, uh, I also think too, Nick, I, I hate to make it this simple or, or, or simplify it down to this one thing, but you mentioned like the attitude used to be, Oh, well, it's just a high school recruit. It's not a big deal. Um, and I do think on some level, That'll come into play more this year and in future years when the transfer portal becomes even more of a thing. Because, yeah, you miss out on a high school recruit. Well, there's always the portal you could get a guy. Okay, great. Um, but I also think that that mentality also stems from one thing, one thing only, and that's beating Michigan. In the years where you're beating, when you're beating up on Michigan and, it, and everything's good and you win eight straight or whatever the hell, however many in a row they won, like it does, you don't care about, you know, X, Y, Z high school recruits saying, well, we're actually going to flip our commitments and go elsewhere because you're like, oh, well, life is good. We're 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 t we're the cream of the crop. We're we're in the playoff conversation every year. But when you lose to Michigan, yes, that four-star recruit who is further down the list in terms of guys that are are you're you're bringing in, but still a guy that was you know you were counting on being there. It's on some in some capacity that start. It's it's oh no, the sky's falling. Everything's coming apart at Ohio State. Ryan Day's lost a step with the recruiting. They're lo they're looking for reasons to fire Ryan Day. So I think that that just adds fuel to the fire. 
um, in, in a year where you, again, lost to that team. It, it I, Again, I don't mean to simplify it down to one thing specifically, but I do think that especially for the fan base in particular, and a lot of what we're talking about is fan base driven when it comes to these recruits, um, it, wanna, it, it, it gets boiled quick, down to that. Do you want to throw up the, the screen grab just for people who don't understand the, the kind of background here? Because, again, we've been talking about – this week, Wednesday is Wednesday, December 20th is the beginning of the early signing period. Friday is the closure of that time. That's where, you know, commits can sign here. But uh, Coach J.R. Sandlin did a great job at this on social media, throwing this out as just a reminder here. And while we I just want to have this in the background for a minute, it's important to remember when we're talking about this, even after losing Jordan Lyle there, uh, Spencer, they're still number two in the country signing class. So yeah. they're they're going to be okay. As long as they, those three players we've mentioned, they're going to be okay. But this is kind of good background uh, stuff to pay attention yeah. to as we go into the rest of this week and the, the dead period has begun. And this Confusing. is what I, re- yeah, I referred to it a little bit earlier too, just to have there's this kind of this window where you can't really have as much contact. And so that's why I said, even if Ohio State doesn't walk away, we said specific to the quarterback position, but even if they don't walk away with a quarterback in the portal yet, it's not the end of the world because some of these guys, it sounds like, you know, Malachi Murphy or Malik Murphy, excuse me. I, I, I combined, <laughs> I combined Malachi Nelson and Malik Murphy. I don't know what it is with my names today, but um, like there's, there's a couple guys that are still out there that haven't made a, a, a set decision yet. And they might be waiting for bowl season to kind of, formulate and come to an end before they do that and i do think for ohio state that's fine because like i said i think they're probably going to do some sort of let's see what devin brown looks like in this bowl game to sort of determine where they're at on the other side of it and if they do need to pursue a quarterback all right guys so we will have more on the early signing day period later on this week on the second edition of sons of the shoe this week Again, you can catch everywhere you get your podcast. Please make sure to follow Apple, Spotify, the free Odyssey app, and more. But when we come back, one college football coach has a plan to fix college football. Our white knight has arrived, but first a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. We've got to get to Chip Kelly's plan to save college football in a moment, Spencer. But before we get there, of course, it's time for the Michigan Panic Meter, that time of the show where we examine our innermost feelings and relate them to the biggest conflict that Ohio State faces every single year. I will stay in the light scarlet as they have not landed a quarterback that scares me nor has Ohio State landed a quarterback that wows me. So as I've mentioned, um, between that and Jeremiah Smith flipping or Air Nolan flipping, those are the only things that can truly get me to panic here, panic more or reduce panic in the the event of a uh, five-star quarterback coming your way here. Well, in classic me fashion, 
I uh, I ride the wave with the fans a little bit more than than I think you do, Nick. Sometimes, so I'm actually going to move mine. I'm not moving it crazy. I'm not moving all the way to like to gray or anything like that. I'm just moving into the white. I'm going to move it to the white. I think seeing Dante Moore announce that he was going to Oregon and not Michigan that set th- that 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 made me feel a little bit better. Also, I, I don't for any listeners out there who regularly listen to 92.3 The Fan, uh, Ken Carmen said that he had a dream that uh, Michigan lost to Alabama in the college football playoff. And generally, Ken Carmen's dreams are some sort of like intuition into what's going to happen. He shared that he's had other dreams that have led to things that actually played out. So All right, one. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm basing this on, yes, yeah, so this is a very flimsy argument, I know, but I'm going to the white. One, I would expect nothing less <laughs> of the common fan, Spencer German. This is, you follow the whims of the fans. I, I yes. get it. Um, two, you don't get to say, hey, I've had these visions. You just got to trust me. <laughs> like, unless you've gone on the record, like Nostradamus didn't wake up 35 quatrains in and be like, look at these things I've predicted before. Now heed my word on the Germans in, you know, World War II. No, he didn't do that. <laughs> he had the first 35 quatrains and then talked about Hitler or Hister or whatever the hell it was. So I'm calling shenanigans on Ken Carmen. Um, he's a good man, very thorough. He's a gentleman. He's a good dad. And I like to say nice things about somebody before I attack them. But I'm calling absolute and utter bullshit on, oh, I had a dream that Alabama beat Michigan when you're not a fan of any of the schools. Like, what What are we doing here? Like, oh, I had a dream that, uh, that uh, UTEP beat UNLV next year. And I have a very strong feeling that you should put them on plus two fifty for UTEP. Like, I'm no. I start sounds like a game that, that Lima might be calling too. UTEP versus UNLV. Start etching that shit into stone, or get off my lawn. If you want to, if you want to play profit, that's fine. All right, there's a lot of false profits in these times. I'm saying be a real profit. I'm saying start etching it out like Nostradamus or get the fuck off my lawn. That's where I am. I'm sorry, Ken. Somebody has to stand up to you. Well, I trust Ken. Like like me, Ken is a man of the, the common fan. So I, I trust Ken. I'm, I'm Ooh, I feel Ken. like that's the name of the show. When, when Lima finally gets fired, it's common fans with Ken and Spencer. <laughs> and it's just take turns who can pander more to the other person. Hey, all I'll say about that is I'll take a morning drive slot if it's available. I'm not going to complain about that. Hey, whose ass do I got to kiss? I think we just found out. I think we just, you know, that's called, by the way, I think you're more of a prophet than he is because what you're doing right now is you're laying the tracks. You're laying in wait here. Just like, oh, I got to buy into what Ken's saying. And because, you know, Ken's got a scoreboard up here of imaginary takes that he had or dreams that he had that signal the future. And one day, and then he's also got another one of nice things that people have said. I, I mean, I maybe I am Nostradamus. I did nail my Brown score prediction over the weekend, so there you go. You were off by a point. Uh, uh-uh, I said twenty seventeen. Go roll I'm the gonna, tape. No, roll the tape. To, go back. To... Hey, this is a good plug to go back into the Odyssey app, and while you're looking for Sons of the Shoes, so that you can follow us. You can also go back to Sunday and use the rewind function because it's still within 72 hours. And you can go back and hear me give my take around 11.52 a.m. on 92 to the fan. All right, so Boom. what do you feel about these bowl games this week if we're going to keep these predictions going? I'm getting a strong sense. 
Then in the Idaho Potato Bowl. I'll make some predictions on Thursday for you. How about that? I'm ready for it. All right. So uh, UCLA head coach Chip Kelly laid out his plan to save college football this week. Is the the biggest issue that you might have right now, whether it be realignment, NIL, transfer portal, and what would your your plan maybe be to, to try to solve it? I think they're all a problem, and I think we need to have a conference commissioner. I think football should be separate from the other sports. Just the fact that our school is leaving to go to the Big Ten in football, our our softball team should be playing Arizona in softball. Our basketball team should be playing Arizona in basketball. But because football left, and they're saying, well, how do you do that? Well, Notre Dame's independent in football, and they're in a conference and everything else. I think we should all be independent in football. And you can have a 64-team conference that's in the Power Five, and you can have a 64-team conference in the Group of Five, and we separate it, and we play each other. You can have the West Coast teams. And then every year we play seven games against the West Coast teams, and then we play the East. So we play Syracuse, Boston College, Pitt, West Virginia, Virginia. Then the next year you play against the South while you still play your seven teams. You can play a seven-game schedule. You can play four against another conference, another division opponent, and you can always play against one Mountain West team every year so that we can still keep those rivalries going. Not that I've really thought about this. <laughs> Not that I've a lot of spent time on this. But I think if you went together collectively as a group, and so there's 132 teams, and we all share in the same ter- we all share the same TV contract, so that the Mountain West doesn't have one, and the Sun Belt doesn't have another, and SEC has one, and they have another. That we all go together. That's a lot of games, and there's a lot of people in the TV world that would go through it. You can sponsor each one instead of calling it Group of Five and Power Five. You can call it Amazon, Nike, bid that out to things. You do a lot of different things. But I think if we still do the same thing and take all that money, and I would do this, and I think this needs to be done. That money now needs to be shared with the student-athletes, and there needs to be revenue sharing, and the players should get paid, and you get rid of NLI, and the schools should be paying the players because the players are what the product is. And the fact that they don't get paid is really the biggest travesty. Not that I've thought about it. All right. So what I'm about to say, Spencer, is more the reaction to his plan than it is the reaction to Chip's plan, because I think there's a lot of good in there. And I think there's a lot of common sense in there. And that is what I think has been lacking from the NCAA. And even now that these schools have more power, there's still too much common sense um, lacking, given that there's this much money involved. But to the people who say, he fixed college football, he fixed football, no, he just had a salient plan. Like, I think that's what, like, because nobody is saying anything about how you fix college football or college basketball or any of the other sports, it then becomes if anybody has any plan, it's like, man, he fixed it. Look how easy that was. Well, Well, I'm not going that far, but there were some good ideas in there. What say you? Well, well, first of all, I was going to say it's funny because, like, if you or me say that, come up with a plan like that on the air, which, by the way, there's been plenty of people on the air or whether it's a radio host or journalists writing, like, in columns what they think should change. This has been the conversation, right? Oh, let's just make make our own league. Let's just split into two divisions. Uh, Let's all share the money. Uh, Like, that's literally been written about, talked about, whatever. It just hasn't necessarily been said out loud by a coach to this point. So all of a sudden – like if you or I say that on the air, they're like, "Well, this dope. He doesn't know anything about college football." But when no, Chip they just Kelly, ignore it. When they Chip don't Kelly, pay any mind right, to it. But when Chip Kelly says it, it's, "Oh my God, this guy saved college football. Where has this mindset been this entire time?" Well, if you listen to some, if you listen to some of these other people, you would have already heard this. But I, I think maybe I, I don't disagree with anything he said. 
Um, and I, I think that like a lot of what he said is obviously sound and probably the way that it should be. And it sounds like uh, the NCAA now with, with new leadership is transitioning to maybe thinking more like this, which is good. The only dilemma that I think in his plan that he throws out there is the, the paying players um, from money raised by the football program, because as we know, it's not that simple. The, the reason NIL I think actually works and is a good thing for college football is because it, it it allows the schools to not have to feel like they have to pay the players from the, the pot that comes in. Because as we know, Nick, and having worked in college athletics myself, like the people, th like everybody thinks that like these athletic departments just run themselves. They're like, Oh yeah, it's okay. They the football can break off and do their own thing and have their own pot and it won't even matter. But like guys, the schools that have big D one football programs, that money often funds than the women's volleyball program and the cross country program. Cause those, those sports don't generate as much revenue, if any revenue, like there's a lot of sports that end up in the red at the end of the, the their seasons and it takes the football sort of – the money the money from football sort of supplementing that. And some schools only have basketball, so they use the basketball money to supplement it. Um, but that money is, is important to other student-athletes on campus. So that's the one flaw that I find in the plan. But I don't think anything that he said is that profound because I've heard it before. So I love the idea of a college football czar. But it's not going to be any more than the NFL commissioner. Like Roger Goodell is cloaked in a lot of power. He still has 32 bosses to answer to. So, you know, even that's not flawless. And I, I guess the one thing that I think is just totally pie in the sky will never happen is the idea of, well, we should pool all of our money together. And it's just never going to happen. Now, that not as currently constructed. It might end up happening that way when the SEC and the Big Ten are the two conferences that are left in the Power Five, if that ends up coming to fruition 10 years from now. But like this idea that the Big Ten and the SEC, who have who take great pride in their dominance, both, both fiscally and on the football field or the basketball court or whatever, the idea that those schools are willingly going to say, well, for the good of college football, no, this is kill or be killed. This is you've got to survive and you've got to do what you think so you can be last man standing. So I think that to me is where it becomes pie in the sky. But like, I'll be honest with you. I think I think the, the thing that should really happen is I do think the group of five should solidify into one global or global one national brand. And the reason being is I think they're missing out on a lot of money where they could take some of these inferior bowls and have a 64 team playoff where everybody gets a chance. Everybody's invited. And I think you could have an NCAA tournament for this, uh, for the, for the group of five schools. I think that to me, I think that's where there's money left on the table. Now, again, ESPN owns the bowls. So maybe you have to establish your own TV contract for your own purposes, but like, that's something that's interesting. But the idea that Ohio State and Michigan and and in Penn State and Notre Dame and Alabama and Georgia, these schools are going to be like, listen, I really feel for Cal and SMU and, oh, buddy, I just, BYU, we love you. No, they're not going to do that. So, I mean, I, I guess my point is, like, that to me is where I think there's still, when a coach brings it up, I think there's still a lot of fanatical thinking here. And it's funny to me that a coach – wants to get rid of NIL so they can just pay the players. When we all kind of look at NIL and say, 
Well, and that just pinned the players. So he just wants to change the labeling yeah. of it and, and change the funneling of the money, which honestly gives more control to the schools. And that is something like, like to me, when you have these third-party entities, these NIL collectives, I think that probably does benefit the players more than if Gene Smith or if uh, Ward Manuel was the one pointing down from on high saying, well, you're worth 500000 Or, honestly, we're going to go ahead and pay everybody 250000 instead of paying dudes what their fair market value is. Yeah, that, that's that's a good way to look at it. Um, and I think you're right about just the finances of it, I, which is why, like I said, I think the NIL actually makes more sense than just paying from the schools. And I, I don't think that teams are going to share money. I, my question too, Nick, is is there a, is there any going back at this point? Like like he brings up, you know, oh well, our basketball team should be playing Arizona. Like like if uh, would would because the schools all have to agree. Like, would it get to a point? Do you think it could really get to a point where they're like, well, let's just break off and make football its own entity, and then everybody else is fenced for themselves, and we'll reform the Pac-12? Like, I, like I I just don't think. Like, I think it's gone. I I I don't think that there's the, the NCA rarely like backtracks on things and. Like they, they don't usually go back to like, well, let's do this over again. Like, it's kind of just like, we just keep moving forward and how things evolve, things evolve. Unless I had the wrong read on that, but that I don't um, know that there's a going back at this point. I mean, I think the going back could be when college football finally separates itself from the NCAA, yeah. which again, is not going to change wholesale, but, can't, but hold on, but can't, but to my point earlier, like, can that happen? Like if, if football breaks off and does its own thing, and then they're saying we're just going to make our own pot of money over here. Is that even possible? Like that, that's kind of my big picture thing because I don't like, again, that money helps fund these other programs. So is it just going to become like, if you're a football school, you're a football school. And then all the other schools, they'll just have other, like, I, I don't, I don't get how that ends you know, up working. If football so, just keeps all their own money. I mean, I think financially that, the football program and basketball programs in some cases still fund other programs. It's just now those other programs, volleyball, hockey, um, baseball, those are more, um, those are just more geographically oriented and honestly probably going to save money. So I, I, but I think like if, if the power five schools did that with the NCAA, that might leave them a little bit more beholden. And I don't think, I don't think the power five schools will do anything from a football perspective to go any farther in league in bed with the NCAA. It's why Charlie Baker's plan of, well, we're going to have our own new grouping and it's going to be of the 35 biggest schools. And it's going to be like division one plus, which by the way, buddy, you just described the FBS and division one, like, Stay tuned but, next year. We'll have Sons of the Sons of the Shoe Plus. Yeah, which means we're going to add an another three hundred pound person <laughs> to the show, <laughs> so we can really just beef it up because you're you're a little too skinny. But no, I mean I think like if that's ten years too late. If that plan happens twenty years ago, I think there's some real validity to it. But now I think I think the only reason college football would keep the NCAA around is as a patsy is as Oswald, as somebody to go ahead and point at and say, well, I we'd love to do this, but look yeah. at these guys over here. And I yeah. just think at the end of the day, they're too smart to let their money get messed with by those dinks in Indianapolis. So I don't think it's going to happen. That's fair. I, my, my biggest thing is just if, the, if, if they break from the NCAA, 
they can basically do whatever they want. So would the football program still be willing to like, like I guess it boils down to more so at, on the school level, would the school have still an understanding within their school that like, Hey, we still need this money to fund other sports on campus. So we're still going to use it in that way. Or would the football teams because they're breaking off and not part of the NCAA anymore, just be able to say, well, we're just going to pocket all this for ourselves. That, that that's the, that's the one maybe thing you got to figure out. But I would imagine, I guess, these schools kind of understand the, how the ecosystem of college sports works and it would still be allowed. I, I'm just curious like how that would all look. But again, I, I think the plan makes sense, but I don't necessarily think it's it's nothing. It's not, it's not anything that we haven't really heard before. I think what's really interesting is who is the person that you could anoint as college football czar that would have the kind of clout necessary to. Should we come up with this for next for the next show? Who, who Let, all right. Perfect? So instead of speculating right now, we'll come up with our names on the was it Thursday Friday show of Sons of the Shoe for our college football czar. We'll also have the latest on who's actually committed. Is Jeremiah Smith a Buckeye or is he not? Uh, you know, maybe if there's any breaking portal news, we'll have all that on the next edition of Sons of the Shoe podcast. Do not forget, by the way, please follow the show. We are a new podcast. Uh, Odyssey does not want us to make money. Okay, that's not real. Okay, they're really <laughs> very helpful. Everybody at 2400 Sports, very helpful. But let's assume they don't want us to make money. You can help us shuck these corporate overlords. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Uh, follow the show <laughs> wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, that includes Apple, Spotify, the Odyssey app, which is free, BT Dubs. Anywhere you get your podcast, also give us a follow on the 92.3 The Fan YouTube channel. Spencer, it's been delightful. Go Bucks! Go Bucks! Let's see who's a, a, a new Buckeye come Thursday. Woo!